Hi everyone, Daniel Ramsey here, the CEO of My Outdesk and the host of Scale the Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to having conversations that unlock the exact formula and strategies multi-million and billion dollar companies use to scale their business. You can visit me on our website at scalethepodcast.com or listen to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Daniel Ramsey here, my outdesk. I'm really excited because today I have a special guest, Marin Kate. She's the founder of Zertral, and she's actually got a new startup, 100% focused on finding and attracting talent. So we've got a weird one for you, a virtual founder and a virtual founder coming together to share some love and knowledge and wisdom. Marin, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Okay. So tell me, I mean, look, Zertral's huge. They raised capital. Um, they basically helped define an entire industry of what virtual assistants are. So talk to me a little bit about how you did that, what your whole story was about founding that company. It's just, it's phenomenal. And I think the audience would love to hear about it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when I was in college, I started my first little online business uh, selling jewelry. I bought it in bulk and then I resold it on eBay and I became a power seller, but I knew nothing about any of the marketing tools or how to build a website. So I started researching how to hire people, but not expensively because I was a college student. And I found out about outsourcing in the Philippines and learned how to hire remote assistants. And so I built a few little businesses doing that and they were my back office team. And then I started blogging about my experiences with my assistants. And I noticed that that was what got me the most traffic. People always wanted to be matched with their own virtual assistant. So long story short, after about five years of doing a few different smaller internet businesses, I decided to pack up my bags, move to San Francisco and see if I could make the virtual assistant space like a thing in the big startup city. So that's kind of how it happened. <laughs> and you made a thing. I mean, you I made a thing, yeah. So, I mean, me and my co-founders, but yes. <laughs> yeah, you and a couple other folks. It's always yes. a team, right? Um, yeah. So uh, what year was that? So I moved to San Francisco in 2010 and launched Zertual in January of 2011. Okay, cool. Yep. I'm launching a business in a city that you don't know anybody that you're kind of new to that. Like, what was that like? I mean, that's kind of an interesting story probably. Well, one thing I loved about the, it was an interesting story. I loved about the remote blogging world is that I got to know a lot of people through my blog. Um, and so I went to little meetups in San Francisco and because I've always worked remotely, like since the internet, since I had internet, um, I was able to work from Starbucks all over San Francisco. I stayed in hostels for three months um, when I moved there and then got like the world's tiniest efficiency apartment in a terrible part of town. And my two co-founders, when they joined the company, we all lived together for six months in a studio like the size of my kitchen. And wow. yeah, I mean, the energy was really cool back then. I mean, there, there's still good energy in San Francisco, but I felt like in 2011, there was a lot of things just starting up. Postmates, right. Uber, like the, all of those things were still very small. So yeah. it was kind of everyone was in it together, which was really fun. It was, there was probably a lot of fun, excitement, energy, and just that vibe that you have in Startup Alley, basically. Exactly. 
Huh. Okay. So you're kind of a pioneer. I mean, back in 2011, nobody was really hiring virtual assistants. It was new. How did you like, what were the topics or the things that like you wrote about that people were just super fascinated and even to this day still come to you for, for questions about virtual teams? I mean, I think the thing that was interesting was that I started my first business when I was in college and then my early 20s building businesses and didn't have a lot of money. So I had to figure out, didn't have any money. I had to figure out <laughs> ways to build businesses and get revenue really fast and get the help I could affordably. So right. talking about that, trying to be really authentic and explaining, hey, this is what I did. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. You also got to remember, geez, when I started my blog 11 years ago, there weren't as many people blogging. So you didn't, you know, you could kind of get away with just like randomly writing up your thoughts and not editing them and just posting them out there into the universe. Right. And have you always been that kind of like an authentic share, like as long as you've been building businesses? Um, I've always trended towards oversharing for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, I would say when I haven't and when I've tried to be more kind of PRE, it has not worked as well. I think some of the biggest failures I've had have usually had to do with me keeping things in and not feeling like I could or should share and trying to fix everything in my own head versus just asking for help or being like, hey, I'm really afraid about this. So now I kind of embrace that radical transparency. Sure. And it's transformed you as a leader, I'm guessing. Yeah. And it's also just made me like a more enjoyable person to like, you know, I have to live inside my head. So I want to at least be happy there. So yeah, Yeah. it just made me a lot chiller. It's like, eh. Uh, That's cool. So talk about like, what are the biggest challenges that you've overcome or helped clients overcome when it comes to running virtual teams? I want to be clear. Your ninja skill is how many businesses you kind of reached into and then help them outsource some portion of their business. So that's, that's a, that's a, that, that's like you're LeBron on the court and you're doing something that's cool. So what are some of the tricks or tips or things that you've helped people overcome to have success with virtual assistants? Well, I think the biggest thing there's, there's kind of two, it's like, if you already have a business and you're starting to grow it, it's figuring out, do you want to do the traditional paths and go in-house somewhere? Or do you want to think about creating a fully or partially distributed team? And then if you're a solopreneur, it's figuring out what is your time actually worth and what can your time be worth? And if you're going to delegate and spend money delegating into different people to do things you're currently doing, you know, what are you absolutely best at? What are you not great at and what don't you enjoy? So there's kind of two paths. There's like the solo entrepreneur figuring out how to leverage other people's time so they can grow their business um, and like what they do more. And then there's the business person thinking, I need to grow my team of three into a team of 30 in the next few years. Do I want to do that in Manhattan or in Chattanooga, Tennessee and be, you know, stuck in that, that you're, you, there's only so many people you can recruit for, or do I want to take the harder earlier path? And I think it's easier as you grow. What are some of the like benefits of having virtual assistants and, and having like a dispersed team, like from your perspective, what have you seen? Cause how many people yeah. have you actually helped do this? Are you talking thousands, tens of thousands? Like what do you, as you've gone, what you're like 10, 15 years into this, what's been your experience and 
how many pe- people have you helped do this? I would say it's got to be anywhere between five and 10,000 over obviously the different companies that we helped and people we helped at Zirtual, my company now offer talent, and then the various consulting I've done. Well, first, I think the most important thing is figuring out is distributed team, is a remote team, is that something that I want to do? And is it something my company can do? Um, if you, some people do not work well, uh, remote is autonomous. It can be lonely. There's a lot of extreme ownership. You can't just like tap someone next to you and say, Hey, let's brainstorm this. It's a lot more structured, but it also offers a lot more freedom. So once you figure that aspect out, if that's something that does resonate with you, what having a distributed team, what using virtual assistant allows you to do is it allows you to really leverage yourself in your time. The thing that that made virtual assistants delegating distributed works the most magical for me was that I wasn't some, you know, I wasn't a rocket scientist. And I always kind of felt bad because there were all these things I wanted to do, all these ideas I had, but I couldn't do X, Y, and Z to make them happen. So being able to hire other people, it's all, it's all about what are you really, really good at? And the beauty of remote work is you can find the people who are best in the world in marketing in copywriting in administrative. And then you can spend more time figuring out what am I really, really good at? And it takes time. I mean, it's taken me over a decade to figure out what I'm really good at. And then, but once you know that and you're able to do little tests and see what works, you can, yeah, it's leverage. You just, you go from one person to 10 to a hundred. It's an exponential lever you can pull. And that's what's the most amazing about it. Hey everybody, Daniel Ramsey here. And I want to tell you about an extraordinary offer to take action and start scaling your business right now. You know, I get a lot of questions about how to grow your business, generate more revenue and reduce expenses. And the answer is simple. It's my Outdesk virtual assistants. My Outdesk offers five star virtual assistant services to thousands of business professionals across the United States and making our clients over a hundred million dollars in net revenue every year. Our customers absolutely love our virtual assistants. And I want to give you the opportunity to learn exactly why. Simply text the word MOD, MOD, to 31996 and we're going to give you a free double my business strategy call where you work one-on-one with one of our business growth specialists to design an action strategy for growth and cost savings in your business. We're gonna give you over 20 growth and strategy guides, a market force personality indicator, an important business checklist, and hiring guides. My Outdesk admins can help manage your office, your sales, your marketing pipeline, and even help you lead generate and follow up. And during this call, you'll learn exactly how you can put them into your business right now. So again, text MOD to 31996 and get a free double my business strategy call right now and learn how My Outdesk can transform your business today. If somebody's listening to this for the first time and says, you know, that's interesting, the best talent in the world could work for mm-hmm. 
be, you know, like, or one of the top 10 or something. Like, what are some of the, if I'm thinking about going virtual or distributed, like having a partially distributed team or even a fully, Mm -hmm. what are some of the challenge points in that? You have to spend a lot of time building the foundation for it. You have to get really good at being able to clearly communicate uh, clearly assign tasks. You can't just rely on the ease of being around people and things just kind of getting done. Yep. That's challenging. Um, well, well let's, able- let's handle that. How do you yeah. do that? I mean, like, like you, you've been, you've done this for five, 10,000 people. How do you delegate when they're not sitting right there? Yeah, so I have a a framework that we always use. It has a super simple goal of what the goal of the task or project is. It has the why behind it. So like Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, almost more aspirational. You know, the goal might be create a PowerPoint deck for my one of my assistants. But the the aspiration, the why is because I'm presenting in front of 200 entrepreneurs and this is going to help them improve their own hiring that will positively impact people's lives. And then you have specifics, very specific. This is when it's due. This is what success looks like. These are the three points that you should come back and ask me for feedback. So creating that assignment loop is incredibly important and then sticking to it documenting everything is another really important part. Like we use Asana religiously at my company now, and it allows us to responsibility and who that responsible party is, even if it's something super small. Um, So that's, that's the over communication aspect. That's the document aspect. What's Asana for those of us that don't know it? Asana is a project management tool. It's like a shared board where you can put tasks you can assign who the person is responsible for it you can put sub bullets and a due date it's pretty simple it has more functionality but it's great when you're working with a remote team to make sure everything is is visible visible and documented with a time exactly i love it i mean with remote work it's all about showing your work at the end of the day you can't just be like hey i'm working on this you need to be able to show your work because we're all in different places right I love what you said. First step is just doc, fully document the goal, the why, and then the actionable steps. I, I think that's phenomenal. And people, it's often we don't even think about it. Like we, it's easy for us. It's easier to be lazy when you're in an office and say, go make me a PowerPoint deck. But when you have to break it down and follow this process, it takes more time in the beginning, but the results are a lot better. Why, why, why are the results, you, you're speaking from authority. Why are the results better if you go through that process of documenting and putting it into a system? Because I'm not in your head and vice versa. So if I say, hey, make me a PowerPoint deck for this presentation, you're going to make it the way that you think it's best. But if I say, this is the why, this is the goal, this are the colors I want, these are X, Y, and Z. And if you have these questions, come back to me and we'll add more nuance and layers. Really, it aligns people. It sets expectations. I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, what else? I mean, how do you, I mean, one of the questions that we get a lot is like, how do you talk with your person when they're not in your office, like right here? What is your preferred like communication platform other than- Yep. We use email for uh, larger things. We use Slack a lot for quick, uh, you know, communications, which is like a messaging platform. 
yep. um, a shared messaging platform. And then we document all of our processes. So if anything ever needs to be done more than once, we use Google Docs. We have a really detailed Google Drive with all the sub folders mm -hmm. and we just have documents made and processes. And if it's ever going to be done more than once, we process, we create the process and then we continue to edit it. We put who edited it, the date stamp, and it allows us to have all these living docs that are growing and evolving. And then it also allows a lot of ownership of this is who touched what, this is why these decisions were made. I love that. I think that's great. And I'm actually going to write that down. Um, so talk to us, like you've got a new, um, and the reason we have you on today is number one, I've always respected your work. We're in the virtual assistant world. I've seen your work over the years and I thought, man, we've got a chance to get her on. We've got to get her on, you know? Um, but you've got something new. It's kind of a revolutionary kind of talent acquisition platform. I'm super excited. You mentioned it. It's Avra Talent and you have a very unique way of selecting talent. So, um, you know, something that we do for our clients is we kind of put talent in front of them on, on a regular basis, but your whole process is just unique. So I wanted to share it with our audience and just kind of pick your brain about how you guys view, you know, talent acquisition. Absolutely. So pretty much what we did is, um, so backing up the why behind it, so to speak, yeah. is at Zirtual, we were really good at hiring assistants and we built out this super thorough funnel. We would have thousands of people applying and only hire, you know, like 0.01% of them because right. we ran people through a thorough process. But on my side, I wasn't really good at hiring the leadership around me. Outside of my two co-founders who were awesome, we were all young. This was our first startup, our first venture back startup for sure. And we would bring on people and they'd have a good resume or they'd be introduced by one of our VCs and they ended up being horrible. So when I left Searchable, I spent a few months thinking through things and talking to friends and doing consulting. And I always assumed like people do, I was an idiot. Everyone else in the world knew how to hire top talent. And I was just a moron. And I was like, well, that sucks. And then what I noticed is talking to different founder friends is everyone was having the same problem. Yes. So I took the lens of that really thorough recruiting funnel and applied it not just for assistance, but made it a framework that we apply to all roles. And obviously it's like a choose your own adventure. There's going to be a thousand permutations, whether you're hiring a digital marketing manager or a head of product or a chief of staff, but there's always a process. And if you follow that process and you put enough people at the top of the funnel, which comes from inbound, you know, job posting, but also from passive outbound searching, reaching out to people in an authentic way, really incentivizing referrals. There's all this stuff at the top of the funnel. And then you run people through different stages and you get to the bottom with people that care, that get what you're doing, that want to do it and that have the capacity to do it. And it takes longer. It takes a lot more man hours, but the results are phenomenal. And yeah, so that's, that's what I built to help startups kind of between five and 50, you know, learn from my mistakes and hire a super solid team. Because when you're at that five to 50 stage, that's foundational. That's, right. those are your cultural co-founders. If you do not get those hires right, going from 50 to 500 is going to be 
if not impossible, really messy. And we've seen this in the news with companies that have, you know, questionable hiring tactics and questionable cultures, and then they scale and it's just a show. Um, uh-huh. But, but yeah, so that's what, what we built. And we also took something we learned from the virtual assistant world is I really think every person has something they're really good at. I believe in the future, like my own crazy thing is instead of having a job like a digital marketing manager, you have all these tasks and projects. And so you don't have one person doing a full job, you break it up and you have micro tasks and you have different people working with different companies and each other. And that allows us to optimize for like the 1% we're really good at. And so we took the recruiter role, the traditional recruiter role, and we broke it into five distinct disciplines and we call it the five disciplines of hiring. And each of those disciplines does something specific. And because we have five people, they're able to work in tandem. So they're able to be much faster and more thorough than even the best individual could be. Yeah. You know, uh, what's interesting is when you were telling me about this, we talked and I think I was, I think I was in Chicago when you and I were talking and you were like in LA or something, Mm -hmm. but we were talking and it resonated with me because you're having like the product person. If you're hiring a product person, then having somebody who's doing the job actually being involved in the the domain expert. Yeah. Yeah. Because guess what? I'm a sales guy. I know salespeople, Uh but I'm not a programmer and I'm definitely not a marketing person. So, you know, having that, so anyways, let's break down those five disciplines so everybody on the, um, you know, that's listening or watching the show can think about what their current needs are in, as it relates to these five different disciplines and how they might mimic it or just decide to hire you directly if they're looking yeah. for, you know, top talent. So talk, talk through yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. So at the top, you think of the strategist. That person's like a project manager. They're the person either on your team or we do this for our clients that makes sure everything is running, thinks in terms of long-term strategy. How is this role tying into the company's goals? How is it going to fit in the culture? And then making sure everyone else on the team, the coach, is doing what they need to be doing. So you get the strategy. Maybe setting up the, the like win numbers too. Like oh, totally. Going- they onboard their first 90 days looks like this. And within six months, we need this number, yep. this number or deliver to that part of the business. Like that, that's a big part. And a really good, you know, you're hiring well when your job description flows into your recruiting funnel, which flows into the 30, 60, 90 year long plan for exactly. your employee. Cause then you can, then you truly keeping things the same and that sets people up for success. So that's the strategist, which could yeah, be the founder. I think a lot of people miss this because we have clients all the time who are like, oh, I need more time prospecting or I need to buy some of my time back. But they don't think about the end goal and how that mm-hmm. relates company wise. Like if we give you 40% of your day back, what are you going to do? do? Yeah, exactly. How are you going to drive revenue? Because if you do nothing, ultimately you spending the money with us or with your firm, it doesn't mean that you're going to be successful. It just means that now we're spending money and you get just some creating money. more work. Yeah, yeah, it's hard and there's no return on investment. So I think the, the upfront strategy is a big deal. 
Yep. So strategists in, in a team, a strategist could be the founder. They could be your admin. They could be someone who's organized, who can manage the project and who can go into the weeds, but also go high level and think of the goals and how onboarding is going to work that stuff. So there's strategists. Then there's the domain expert. The domain expert is usually a person, either they're the person in your company that knows it, but especially early on, usually that person doesn't exist. So you go and you use Clarity FM or you ping your friends and say, who knows a great product person? I'm hiring my first product person. I'm going to pay for two hours of their time to walk me through what great looks like because excellence knows excellence. And then there's the coordinator, which is like a supercharged admin. It's traditionally called a recruiting coordinator. They keep all the digital paperwork uh, together. They send calendar invites. They put together the documentation. They make the strategist jobs easier. And then there's the interviewer. And that's the person that really enjoys not only talking and getting a sense of person, but giving the candidate a good experience. Like we're only going to hire one person for a role. Usually you're going to talk to tens to hundreds and you want to make sure that those people walk away from your company feeling like, wow, they cared about me. I wasn't just some cog or some number. So the interviewers are empaths. They're like, journalists they like to dig in and get to know people but they love talking to people they also love reaching out finding someone on linkedin and be like "Hmm, you've got an interesting background don't know if you're employed or not but like this might be an interesting opportunity and then the last one um, is our sourcers and that's a dedicated team of research assistants who put together boolean searches and find profiles that look like this could potentially be interesting for this role and then the interview interviewers reach out to them in an authentic manner, no like hard selling and say, is this interesting? Do you know anyone? It would be interesting and just starts to have a conversation. Right. And that process sounds a whole lot better than meeting a guy for coffee. And if I like him, I'm going to hire him. Yeah. And I mean, you talk about diversity inclusion, even just from a from a standpoint of the companies that are do, do the best and that are the most robust over time, they have diverse opinions. Everybody doesn't look like everyone, think like everyone. They have to have that ecosystem. And diversity comes from running people through a process, not, oh, I like this person. They seem like me, or we went to the same school. And that's a thing that referrals often drop the ball. People are like, oh, referrals are the best thing in hiring. But if you do referrals, you're just hiring friends of friends. And that can create a monoculture. And it doesn't necessarily set you up for long-term success as a company. Wow. How about, um, because we've got you and we have to ask you for like your experience with virtual teams, how do you select somebody to help you grow your business? Like let's assume that, you know, we buy into your process, your five different disciplines and we like what, how do you make sure that I've hired somebody? Because a lot of our clients are like, well, I think I'll try it. And I always that cringe a little bit when they say, I'm going to try it out and see if it works. Cause I just, that that's like code for they're not really bought in. So mm-hmm. how do you, how do you give clients like this person's the one, like what's your sorting criteria or your, your buying criteria for talent? For what type of talent? Cause it really differs. That's a great question. I don't know. Like just virtual teams. Let's say I'm hiring somebody like what's the stuff that are, what, what's the, what's the, I like no go and go like I'm weird. Yeah. Well, it's a green see. light, red light. Yep. So there's obviously 
you can do about 80% for somebody else. And then the last 20% is what matters the most. And that's going to be them really putting in the work to say, is this person the right fit for me culturally? Can, do they have the right stuff? Um, but let's talk about the 80% that an outsourced firm or someone else can think through. Um, what really matters in a virtual team, responsiveness, detail orientation, um, good written, uh, whatever, regardless what your language is, written communication style is incredibly important. So there's some things that whether you're hiring a virtual project manager or a virtual social media manager or a virtual assistant and admin, you have to have those things right. um, no matter what. And I, I would say responsiveness, the ability to learn um, the ability to, to operate in kind of ambiguity, those are just core things to wor working remotely and being autonomous, being able to just kind of have that extreme ownership over your results. Those are people that do well. How do you measure or test for extreme ownership over results? Like that's a big... So you can set up a lot of, so there's a few ways. So there's a service called eSkills. It's uh, more for corporations. We use it. They have like a thousand different tests. So you could test for Excel. You could test for detail orientation. There's like a simple 10 minute thing you can do. Sure. I'm not detail oriented. It's why I've started an admin company in the past. I score like the worst, but a good EA scores in the 80th percentile or something. And there's Excel. And then there's more nuanced thing like extreme ownership where you set a series of tasks for someone maybe they're paid maybe they're part of the hiring funnel and then maybe a link doesn't work or you set something that if the person is not a creative problem-solving thinker they'll just respond back and be like hey this link is broken or oops I couldn't do it versus if they are a creative problem solver if they do take extreme ownership they're gonna be like hmm, the link is broken but if I look at what she's saying I can just go online find this and create a hack around it. So it's creating situational experiences where people who that's part of who they are will show that. And people who are just like, meh, you know what? What can I do? will also show that. That's interesting. What are some of your favorite interviewing questions? You've interviewed and hired, you know, lots of people. So yeah. give me one of your favorite questions that is just like awesome for pulling out best, the best talent. I mean, again, it really depends on the role, but I would say one of the things I love for anyone who's product related is tell me about uh, a tool you used recently. What do you love about it and what don't you? And a really good product person will get super excited about one tool and explain and they'll like break it down and be like, tell me about a tool you hate. And they'll be like, oh my gosh, I use this. And then we'll say, how would you, if you were the product person, how would you make it different? Great product person can just talk on that. A mediocre one will be like, blah. Another question I love to ask is, what is something um, you learned recently that I probably wouldn't know? And it not only makes them think, but it also is a good way to understand how curious someone is. Like a curious person will have really weird, random thought things that they learned recently. And it's right. also super fun for the interviewer. It's really engaging. Um, and then another one that I love, which people are mixed on, is what would the person who likes you least in the world say about you? I used to ask this at Zirtual, and I really enjoy watching people's authenticity there. Um, 
and and having to it's just like a it's a bs filter if someone's like oh no everybody likes me you're like either you're unaware or you're lying but when people actually really think through it it's it's really interesting i also like at people what they're weakest at professionally i like asking them what they're not interested in doing anymore at this stage in their their career which is really telling on like you know if you're getting a manager they may not do calendaring anymore and it's good for them to just kind of say that so right. those are some of them i love it we we i was just talking to a other ceo last friday and we're both you know growing companies and we're talking about uh sales reps and he's like man i can't get a sales rep to prospect to save my life they come in and they interview and they say they love prospecting. And then within three months, I'm asking them, why aren't you prospecting? And so I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what to tell your friend to do. We do this with our sourcing team. One of our final tests is saying, this is really high level. This is what our person looks like. Go find me 25 of them. I'll pay you blank that or 50 of them. And then don't give them any other instructions. The great people will come back with this beautiful Excel drop down, blah, 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 or have really specific follow-ups. The crappy ones will just not do it or put like no work into it or hem and haw. And it immediately sorts the wheat from the chaff. So break that down, like give them 50 people to prospect in the interview process. Give them say, this is my persona. This is what I'm looking for. Go find me those people. And by the way, I want you to find me those people in a way that if you were doing the job right now and I'm your CEO, how would you present it to me? Great people would be like name, email, number, boom, boom, boom. Here's your drop down. We do that. Um, that's one of the ways we hire operational assistants at our company is I will give, I'll pay them for a small test task, like $25 or something. Say, mm -hmm. find me like 10 conferences that I could speak at. I give them my portfolio, I give them links and provide me all the information. They put it together and then I have someone else stitch it. And not only is it work that I can actually use, but it really lets the stars shine. That's interesting. And it doesn't matter on their background. All that matters is can they do the work? And you're giving them situational tests right then and there and seeing how, and, and do you walk away and wait an hour or what do you do? Or you come back? Oh, no, I just say, be sure to get it back to us in three business days if you want to still be considered. And if they don't, we don't consider them. And if they do, they're either crap or they're really, really good. <laughs> and we use and the really good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I literally used that in a recruiting funnel last December and I have speaking engagements twice a month every month this year through the end of the year and that and i we probably paid two hundred dollars in these test task fees and we got two phenomenal operations assistants and got me booked out about this stuff so it's like killing multiple birds that's awesome okay so yeah, let's um, it's it's a it's a great idea it's creative but ultimately whatever the job is give them a task see how they do it make sure it's the it relates to the work it's a critical that relates to the work. I love that. Yep. Um, okay. So let's d dive into what's your belief about kind of the world moving in a virtual world? I, I mean, I, I talked to um, uh, the CEO of another virtual company and he's like, look, man, by 2028, half of the workforce is going to be virtual. And I was like, half in the next eight, nine years. And he's like, yeah, half of us will work for most of our day, not in an office. And that was uh, according to some research or something. And I thought that was interesting. And I think there's a lot of people out there that kind of don't 
want the whole virtual assistant thing or they don't want to not have an office. They want to kind of just do it the old school way because they're nervous or scared or afraid. And I know what we do. It's the way of the future. It's what's going to happen, whether people Mm -hmm. like it or not. But I'm curious, what would you tell somebody who's in that space? Um, Who doesn't want it to happen or who does? (laughs) Who's doesn't want it to happen and I'm just curious what your belief is about virtual work and this. I mean, I, I think I think that's true. I, I'm a big proponent of it. I also think that as more and more jobs get virtualized or remote and are able to be done from anywhere, people yep. will um, really need and want the physical co-location of being around others. So I think that the good part is if you like working remotely and you're very autonomous, you'll be able to do that. And I travel a lot. I work from beaches. I work from airplanes. I work from my new house that I just moved into. uh, And I enjoy that. But I always start my day off at a coffee shop because I like just being around people for little periods of time. I think more co-working, the unique, interesting co-working will pop up. I think consortiums of remote workers and freelancers who want to band together to get health insurance, to have certain savings, to be able to qualify for 401ks will happen. I think there'll be a lot that changes in the way um, from a government standpoint and how are we thinking of social security and other uh, safety nets. And I think the people that really, I think the roles in the world that are very physical, high touch that can only be done person to person from woodworking to massage therapy to uh, a counselor, I think those will actually increase. I think people will need those more because people will feel isolated and they will want to be around, you know, other people. So you think about it, you're like, maybe, maybe office buildings are transformed and people move more to cities, which is also a trend that continues to go because they're closer to others. Maybe people are working remotely, but maybe bars, um, you know, massage therapy and coffee shops explode too, or especially the overlap. Those are always very interesting. Like bank or Citibank is doing this and different places are creating these, their locations for their company or bank, but they're also co-working lounges or you see this in hotel lobbies more and more. I think the overlap of the physical only and the remote only will will create really interesting spaces. Well, this has been an interesting conversation. I always like to add um, one, last, one last crazy question. In your whole world of outsourcing, what's the craziest thing somebody's asked you to help them outsource? That's legal. We've had to say no. <laughs> um, oh, the craziest one was a guy let he had bought really crazy hard to get impossible tickets to a Vegas show for his 20th wedding anniversary. He flew to Vegas with his wife. They were two hours from the show being starting and he realized that he left them in his loft kitchen in San Francisco. And we somehow figured out a way to like legally get someone to break into this guy's house. He had to sign all these forms, get them. And I forgot what it was, but he actually made it to the show. And it was like, this joint effort of all these people running together and somehow it happens. So that's funny. I love it, man. That happened to me. Actually, I was, um, I was in Napa and my wife was about to go to Costa Rica for like a yoga thing. 
and mm-hmm. I had accidentally taken our passports because we just got back from Mexico and they yeah. were in my backpack. So we, she's like freaking out and I'm like, babe, just go on some, you know, like in, in her case, she went in like a local community group and she offered somebody $150 to drive two hours to Napa and two hours back. And then all the passports are home. So the Ubering too, I've, we've definitely done that back in the day where we would hand something to someone and they would Uber it like four hours to Sacramento. And you're like, Hey, it got there. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, Hey, money solves all problems. Yeah, the is. world is transforming. Marin, thanks for your time today. You've been amazing. Absolutely. Um, Thank you. We had Marin Cates on uh, the founder of Avra, a new talent sourcing solution where they have a five discipline approach to finding top talent. Again, thanks for your time today and we loved having you on the show. Thanks so much.